0: I never, ever, ever get tired of watching baptisms, ever. And so if you would like to be a part of that on Sunday morning, we would love for you to come out Easter Sunday morning. It is one of the most memorable times you'll ever have. It's also outstanding to have a number of people there cheering and celebrating and uh, witnessing God's amazing grace, Amen? amen? So if you're interested, please make sure you fill that out and please make sure that you connect um this morning i am going to be doing a standalone message and today's message is into the future is what we're going to be talking about next week we'll have a special guest speaker our ladies will be at the ladies retreat amen, amen. our men just got back let me hear my man in the house yes i tell you what it was one of the most meaningful powerful experiences we've ever had and uh, Glenn Badonsky, Mary Beth Badonsky and Candace Smith will be speaking at the Ladies' Retreat. And G- Glenn Badonsky's is going to be here to bring the Word of God uh, for us. I'm looking forward to sitting in the congregation and just being filled up. Uh, my wife did an amazing job last week. Amen. I am uh, incredibly, incredibly grateful to her. I got to listen to that Sunday afternoon and... Just filled my heart, and so uh, just powerful, powerful word, always these three, and I could not be more grateful or thankful for my wife stepping up, and of course, uh, she ended up getting sick on Friday, but still powered through on Sunday and uh, delivered the goods, so uh, we're grateful to the Lord for that. Well, this morning, um, we're going to be talking about into the future, and we're going to be talking about God's promises We're going to be talking about the power of God's promises, and we're also going to be talking about how we embrace God's promises, and they're embraced by faith and by faith alone. You are saved by grace through faith alone, nothing else, and it's just the beginning. Some people think that your salvation is the end. It's literally a new beginning. It's a new birth, and so... Some of the things that I think you and I need to do is we need to return God's promises to Him in prayer, and it puts our faith into action. Now, that doesn't mean that God forgets. No, it means we forget. And so there's a time and a place where you and I have got to return God's promises back to Him in prayer to our benefit. To remind us that we are saved, that we are changed. To remind us that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to bring it to completion. To remind us that Jesus is coming back. To remind us that God said we're going to have abundant life. To remind us that God said he'll give us comfort during trials. To remind us of those things because there are times that we forget. God never forgets and God never fails on his promises. So it's important. So when you think about this, what is a promise? A promise is literally a declaration or assurance that one will do a particular thing and that, or that a particular thing will happen. That's what God promises. God, that's what a promise is. And when God makes a promise, it is yes and amen. amen. If he said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And there ain't nothing anybody can do about it. You see, so, so here's the question that, that we beg. The, the question that we beg in, in a world where we take the scriptures out of context or, or don't really know the whole scriptures because the devil was excellent at taking God's word out of context, yeah. right? And giving you a promise that wasn't a promise until you understood the whole promise. Yeah. Case in point, he said he took Jesus to the highest pinnacle of the temple, said so throw yourself off. It says God will give his angels charge over you, Right? That's what he said. But Jesus said, "Uh -uh." uh-uh. said, you're also not to put the Lord your God to the test. You see, you can be tested by God, but it's not our job to test him. Okay? And so how do you know a promise is is for you? And so there is a general promise that is uh, given through the Holy Spirit that is uh, communicative to all ages in time. For instance... If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we start to understand that when God makes a promise, there's no limitation on that promise. As often as you ask for forgiveness, as often as you confess your sin, is as often as you'll be forgiven. That's a promise from God. Now, there are specific promises in the Bible, like the promise that God made to Mary. That's not your promise, that's Mary's promise. So don't be grabbing on to Mary's promise and acting like it's yours. There's so many other promises that you can hold on to, but we grab on to Mary's promise. Now, dudes, that's a problem for us. You're not going to give birth to the Son of God. And ladies, it only happened once. I know you think your child is divine, but you know what I'm saying. Give them a couple years. Help me, Jesus. <laughs> Not my baby. When claiming, one of promises, when, when claiming one of God's promises from Scripture, there's a few things that we need to keep in mind. The first thing that we need to keep in mind is almost all of God's promises are if promises. If then promises. If you confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us. If you don't confess your sins, then there is no forgiveness for you because you haven't followed the if then. If my people who are, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will answer. There's an if and a then. We don't like the if part, we just like the then part. I've been forgiven. You have? When's the last time you repented? You can't, if you, unless you repent, you can't be forgiven. So there's an if-then to that. Then also, God gives us promises that help us better submit to His will and trust Him. A promise doesn't, doesn't mean that, that God doesn't know what's going to happen, and it doesn't mean that God's going to bend to your will. You can make promises to God all you want. He knows you're lying. Sorry if it offended you, but you know it's true. Because the truth of the matter is, listen to me, we're not changed by making promises to God. We are changed by believing in God's promises to us. You will never be changed by making a promise to God. It's not what changes you. It's God's promises to us that are what change us. You try and make deals with God. You know how it is. Guys who are trying to start their own business, ladies trying to start their own business, right? Up here at the altar every Sunday talking about, bless me, God. If you bless me, God, I'll serve you all the days of my life. If you bless me, God, bless me so I can give. Because I just want to be a giver, God. And then what happens? You get blessed so much that all of a sudden you got to work on Sunday to keep advancing your kingdom. I said to keep advancing your kingdom, not God's. Because I can't let so, sister so-and-so get ahead of me or brother so-and-so get ahead of me. So now I can't even make it to work on Sunday. But God understands because he blessed me so. Hallelujah. It's quiet now because people don't like to hear that. You know what I'm talking about. Them front rowers. I'm like, hey, come on, Jesus. And then when Jesus does it. Happens all the time. I've seen it time and time again. Because see, we're changed by God's promises, not making promises to God. He understands that. And here's the other thing. You cannot assume that you know precisely when, where, or how God's promises are going to be fulfilled in your life. God has a different plan for for fulfilling His promise for you. And his promise may not be the, one, the way you want it, and so when you don't want it that way, you get upset with God because he won't do it your way. After all I've done for you, God. If I had a dollar for every time I heard that. Oh, I come to church on Sunday, hallelujah. No, I don't serve, but I do come. Right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Right? God, you know I'm busy on Sunday. It's Super Bowl Sunday. I got a party to host tonight. I ain't got time to be at your party. But there ain't no party like a Holy Ghost party, and a Holy Ghost party don't stop. That Super Bowl's going to be over, and last time I checked, you ain't getting a ring. But here's the truth. The truth of the matter is God's promises are yes and amen, and we need to learn how to hold on to God's promises, and then the Holy Spirit can help us take a hold of a promise that God has for us, like in Isaiah 42 and 43. There are promises of deliverance that, that God is going to deliver Israel from Babylon, but you can parallel that promise to Jesus delivering us from sin. So you can parallel those promises, but you and I have got to hold on to what is true, what is right, what is holy. So the first thing I want you to see is that Isaiah spoke of deliverance from captivity in Babylon. That's what Isaiah spoke about. And Jesus' coming delivered believers from sin. His second coming will deliver us completely. Now see, some of us in this room... We want to quit every week. And we want to quit every week because we're not perfect. So we just figure we're going to quit. I can't live this life. I can't do this life. Holding on to the promise that the Bible says this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to bring it to completion. Now, does my God lie? He doesn't lie. So if he said he's going to be faithful, why are you going to all of a sudden become unfaithful? You can't be perfect, but there's a promise that says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The problem for you and I is we hold ourselves to perfection. We can't be. We're not perfect. We're being what? That's a work of the Holy Spirit, so we got to hold on to that promise. Does that mean we just go out and sin all day long? Of course not. It's God's grace that keeps us close to Him. And so Hebrews says, justice is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Amen. We will be delivered one day from this life of sin. We will be set free, just like Israel was set free from Babylon. But until that day, we must be faithful. We must be like Daniel who went up three times a day into that place and opened the window facing Jerusalem and prayed and prayed and prayed. And for those of you guys who don't know it, Daniel prayed for almost seven decades in captivity. And you and I, we may pray for seven, eight, nine decades in this place of captivity, but one day our Redeemer will show up. You see, when Isaiah promises that in Isaiah 42, 9 and 10, he tells, it tells us that God did what He promised in the past, and if He did what He promised in the past, then surely He will do what He promises in the future. That's how we hold on to a promise of God. He delivered Israel from captivity in Babylon and He sent His Son Jesus to deliver us from captivity the si- uh, from sin. And if He's going to do that, then why in the world would He not deliver us from this earth into His heaven? So we hold tight even when it doesn't look that way. Even when, even when the world looks like it's falling apart. Well, this is not our world. It is not our home. We are just passing through. We hold tightly. He gives us a beautiful word picture about his promises in Isaiah 42, 9 and 10. I want to read this to you so that you don't miss it. Because man, I got to tell you, it will just minister to your soul when you understand and you know how to keep keep your heart close to what Jesus is saying when he makes this promise. And I love the word picture. I want to read it because I just feel like when you hear it and when you read it, it's just going to do something in your heart. Listen to what it says. Behold, the former things have come to pass. The former things have come to pass. I promised it. I did it. Period. Done. Right? He says, he says the former things have come to pass, and new things now I declare. New things now, before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Sing unto the Lord, sing a new song, His praise from the end of the earth. Uh, You who go down to the sea and all that fills it in the coastlines and their inhabitants. It's important for you and I to understand that God is going to do what He promised and it will bring forth singing in our hearts. It's going to spring forth like a melody. But. But the picture that God gives us is is a plant that springs forth. You know when you you plant your seeds, if you're a farmer or if you're a gardener and you plant your seeds and you're believing that something's going to be harvested, but you don't see it because it's underground. Something's happening, but you don't see it. That's what's happening in your life and my life with God's promises. Something's happening in us, but you don't see it until it springs forth. And then, when it springs forth, what happens? It produces crop and it's life giving to us. But during that time, you got to hold tight. You still got to water the seed. You still got to make sure that you're taking care of it because if you're not doing it, how can you expect it to spring forth? I just feel like I keep watering this seed and watering this seed and watering this seed. And I don't see nothing happening. But every day you come back and you look. And then finally, you see it start to peek through. Hallelujah those are the promises of God and some of us we've been we've been in that moment waiting and we've been watching the crop and waiting and trusting and waiting and trusting and waiting but don't you remember the last harvest time I said don't you remember the last harvest time when it was time to harvest and you harvested everything God had promised and it sustains you until the next season of planting can somebody shout hallelujah You see, we got to remind ourselves that harvest time comes. And then there's a time of planting, and there's a time of reaping, and there's a time of sowing, and those are God's promises. We have to hold tightly to those promises regularly. We don't see it growing. There's no indicator of life. I said there's no indicator of life. And then and then and then it burst forth. But in the waiting, in the hoping, in the trusting, in the expectation, we must take hold of the promise. When we haven't seen rain in a long time, and then a cloud the size of a man's hand shows up on the scene. Amen. It's coming. Prepare for rain. Hallelujah. And then the second thing we see is Isaiah. Isaiah, he tells Israel to leave the past in the past and trust God for the future. For believers, salvation is great, but God wants to demonstrate His power in and through our lives daily. Listen to me, your salvation was not the, the, the zenith of your life in Jesus. Your salvation was just the beginning and we can't hold on to just that salvation teaching. We must dig deeper, we must get closer to God, we must begin to understand. Listen and hear me carefully, God loves you as much as He's ever going to love you. He will not love you anymore because you read the Bible. He's not going to love you anymore because you go to church. He's not going to love you anymore because you tithe. He's not going to love you anymore because you serve. He already loves you as much as he's ever going to love you. However, however, you have room to grow in your love for God. I have room to grow in my love for God. You know why I show up to, to Bible study? You know why I show up to men's retreats? You know why I show up to my devotions in the morning? Because there's room on the bone for me to love God more. And so look at, what, look at what Isaiah 43 says. It says, remember, not the former things, nor consider the things of hold. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and and rivers in the desert. Now God, again, is speaking of Exodus. He's speaking of Exodus. And He has no intention of them to forget about Exodus because truthfully they end up forgetting and they don't tell their kids what God did. And generations grow up that don't know the goodness of God because you stop talking about the goodness of God. You read it countless times in the Bible. Go home and type in, and a generation that grew up that neither knew the Lord nor His deeds. Do you know why? They didn't grow up because you shut up. Because you shut up about the good deeds of God you shut up reminding them every time i see my little niece and nephew 11 years old gonna be 12 in april every time i see him i remind them that god's promise to my little sister they took her last fallopian tube and it didn't look like there was any hope but then He gave my wife a prophecy for me to give to her as I was driving across that bridge, wondering, what in the world am I going to do? I'm a man of God, and I am here as a representation of God, but I'm also a big brother who has a little sister that wants to have some babies. And there was no way it was going to happen, save God. And then he gives my wife that promise, and he tells my wife, he says, you tell her that he makes her a happy mother of children. He makes the barren woman a happy mother of children. I went into that room with only a promise and nothing else but a promise. But I knew what he did for Samuel. I said, I knew what he did for Samuel. Hannah prayed, right? And I went in there and I said, I just have to tell you this. This is what's going to happen. Less than a year, they, they get these two little embryos. And they plant them in her, and they say, now listen, don't get excited. Don't you get happy because there's too much that has happened in your uterus. We don't know if you'll hold them. But they only had two and they had two because they were the only two that stuck. And they put them in there. And as they begin to grow, about three months into it, they said, you're going to have to go straight on bed rest because it doesn't look like it's going to happen. You see, there were no signs of life at that moment, right? And then all of a sudden springs forth out of her two precious twins, Shaley and Bubby. Don't you tell me my God's not a promise keeper. They took both her fallopian tubes. They told her nothing could do it. There's no way. And then they said, your your uterus is too damaged. There's no way. But I got walking testimonies. As a matter of fact, this past week, I don't know if you saw my Facebook, but Bubby was up there leading his school congregation in praise to our God. Don't you tell me my God's not a promise keeper. But that's just the beginning of what God wants to do. That's just the beginning of God. what God wants to do. You take that into account. I'm not supposed to forget that, but that's not the end. That's the beginning of God wants to do in their lives. You see, it's God's desire that we know the awesome things that he done in, He's done in the past because you and I can't fathom the future He has for us. We cannot look at our past as God's supreme redeeming power in our lives. It is not. It's just the beginning. There is more. Your salvation was incredible, but your ladder is going to be greater than your past. God is calling you to do work like you have never believed. Your salvation is just the tip of God's iceberg. Somebody shout amen. You see, your salvation was just the beginning of the new thing He wants to do in you. Your salvation was a setup. Your salvation was a setup for the future that God has for you. We need to get our heads and hearts around it and begin to pray God's promises in our life, even when it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Those little babies got put in there and they said, don't get any hope. Don't you get any hope. Three months into it, looks like they're not going to stay. Don't you get any hope. Don't you get any hope. Carries them full term and then here come these babies out. Say, don't you get any hope. I'm going to have all the hope that I need to have. And as I looked down and that little baby looked like a little rotisserie chicken. I was crying. Crying like a baby. She wasn't even crying. I was crying. Then I went over because Bubby had some, develop, some lung things they had to work on. They held him up like this, you know, he's holding up like that. And I'm just weeping like a baby. Because you see, I know what God does. And when that little boy yells, hey, Uncle Mike, I love you like tacos. It reminds me that my God, my God loves me and he's a promise keeper. It gives me faith to hold on to things. The, se- the third thing I want you to see this morning is that David prayed God's promises not to remind God, but to build his faith. Believers, we have to activate our faith by doing the same. God's promises are he'll give you comfort in trial, but you have to seek his comfort in your trial. He says he wants to give you spiritual blessing, but you've got to be spiritual to get that blessing. Uh-oh. Pastor Mike said it in church again. You can't go out here acting all carnal, expecting spiritual blessings. God promised to finish the work that he started in you. And God promised that he would give you peace when you pray. But if you don't pray, don't expect any peace. He said he'll guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, but you're going to have to pray. And sometimes you ain't going to have the words. So there's another promise in Romans chapter 8 that says what's going to happen is when you don't have the words, the Holy Spirit's going to take over with groanings and utterances. These are the promises that we hold tightly to. in second samuel chapter 7 it says and now lord our god confirm forever the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house And do as you have spoken, and your name will be magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts is God of Israel, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. For you, O Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, have made this revelation to your servant, saying, I will build you a house. Therefore, your servant has found courage, courage to pray this prayer to you. Be encouraged this morning to pray that prayer to God. Be encouraged. God's promises act as a guide to our prayer. This world has a way of getting us lost, but God's prayers help guide us through this. There are too many twists and turns in this life. And right when you think you got it figured out, all of a sudden a job change, a diagnosis, a this, a that, a this, a that, and you act like God was surprised by it. He wasn't surprised by it. He didn't go, Oh, I looked away for a minute. My bad. He knew what was going to happen because he's trying to shape you and grow you into the person that you're supposed to be. And he wants to know, do you think that he's worthy of your worship? It always comes back to Job. You see, everybody thinks Job was about this and Job was about that. Job was about one thing. It was about worship. Was God worthy? Satan came to Job and Satan said the only reason these humans... The only reason these humans love you is because you bless them. That's the only reason. And God said, I don't believe that. God said, consider my servant Job. And you know what happened? Job lost all of those things, but he never lost his faith in God. He never lost his hope in God. And he refused to curse God because Satan said, if you take all that from them, they'll curse you. And you know what happened? Even Job's wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? And he said, because I know that my Redeemer lives. It comes down to God's worthiness. Is God worthy of worship when you don't have your dream job? Is God worthy of worship when your kids are out doing whatever they're doing? Is God worthy of worship when that diagnosis gives you months or days to live? Is God worthy of worship all the time or part of the time? See this is what God has promised us today. Ooh, I'm sweating up here today. <laughs> when you pray God's promises you're reminding yourself, you're building yourself up and you are encouraged Ephesians 2 says but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he has loved us even when we were dead in our trespasses made us alive with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us, seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Everybody say, in Christ Jesus. You see, God knew we were going to need to be reminded that it was about God. It was about God's grace. It was about His mercy. You see, you and I forget the kindness of God, so we start to preach the wrath of God to other people. But it's not the wrath of God that calls men to repentance. The Bible says this, it is the kindness of God that brings men to repentance. It's time for us to preach the kindness of God. To remember that He has already seated us in heavenly places. We forget that He made us alive to show off His grace and mercy. You know what you are? Your trophies of grace and you should be displayed regularly by the grace of God. And they say, what did He do for you? I'm not hiding what He did for me. I want to make sure that everybody knows that I'm in God's trophy case. Put me right up there. Shine me up and let me shine, Jesus shine for you and you alone. That's what God does. Finally, finally. Believers can recall the past, but we must not dwell there. God's preferred future for us is so much greater than our past. We can't dwell in the past. We can't dwell in the past. We have to dwell on the future. You see, God promised us abundant life here, but eternal life there. God promised us salvation here and glorification there. But as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear heard, or no heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. That's a promise of God. Did you know that's a promise? I'm tired of hearing people saying they want to get back where they were with Christ. I don't want to get back there, and you don't either because it didn't keep you. I can't do no more. People always talk about, I want to get back to where I was with Jesus. I'm like, well, it didn't keep you. I want you to go forward with Jesus. I don't want you to go back with Jesus. I want you to love him more than you did before. I want to go back. No, you don't. That's what the exodus, that's what they wanted. We want to go back. We want to go back to slavery. No. No. God wants to take you to new heights in Christ. Why would you go back to some place that couldn't keep you? God has a preferred future for your life and it's not in your view mirror and it's not in your past. You are going to be greater than you were before as you serve and love Jesus. If you try and go back to that guy or that girl, it ain't going to work. God has bigger plans for you, a future for you, and you got to grab a hold of that with everything you got. It's the future. You think your salvation was something? Wait till you see how God uses your story for his glory. You think I could have ever dreamed that God was going to take this boy off the streets, off the street corners, and he was going to change my life, and here I would stand years and years later, almost coming up on three decades later, preaching the goodness of God? You think I would have ever seen that? I didn't even have a future. My own family said I would be dead. But God. But God, my future exceeds my past. I'm stopped longing for the past and start longing for the future. God has a plan. Stop lamenting over days gone by and start grabbing a hold of what God has for you. Now. Now. Today is your day. Now is your time. Now is your season. If you don't know Jesus, today's your day to know Him. Don't leave here without Him. You're not even promised tomorrow, but with Jesus, you're promised eternity, which is way better than tomorrow. Because I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds it. You see, I thought I had wasted and ruined my life. But God had a plan. I remember I was talking to Dave on Wednesday after Bible study, and I told him, I said, I remember grabbing my father's hand. And as I grabbed my father's hand, I hadn't asked God for anything because I didn't feel worthy. But there was one thing I asked for. I said, God, listen, I know it's too late for me. I've already done too much, been too far, and I don't plan on changing because I don't believe I can. But if you could have mercy on my dad, I heard you're a good God. And I heard that you have mercy. If you could have mercy on him, then have mercy on my dad. And I said, Dad, if you hear me, if you could squeeze my hand. My dad never squeezed my hand. And it wasn't until 2006 that I found a salvation plea from my God, my dad to God days before he died. He had already made it right, but God had to do something in me. And so you know what? I spent the next two years after my dad died trying to end my life in every possible way. But God had a plan. And God, God, listening to me, God, listening to me, telling me it's too late. There's no hope. I'm done. If you could have mercy on him, God's thinking, I'm having mercy on you, boy. You just don't know it. You just don't know it. Just a few short months later, my sister would find me laying in the middle of, uh, of, the, uh, of, the, uh, of a main road called Newcastle Avenue, got so drunk, got so high, got so blitzed that I was like, this should be it, laid down, and, and my sister came looking for me at about 2 a.m. in the morning. She drives right up, and I'm laid out like a speed bump, just waiting. She gets out of there and saves my life saves my life. I was so mad that I was trying to burn her with my cigarette. Made me get in the car. God had a plan. And even I couldn't mess that plan up. And I tried. You see, that's the kind of God we serve. Jesus showed up. There were no signs of life in this boy. There was no signs of life. There was nothing in here showing that a seed had been planted. But then all of a sudden, something sprung forth in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden, I had a future. Then God blessed me with a wife that's going to be 28 years that I've been married. Then God blessed me with my family, restored my family. I won my brother to Christ before he went home to be with Jesus. My mother now loves Jesus. I've baptized my, my sister. I've baptized my nieces. I've baptized my nephews. All those things in Jesus' name. And if you would have told me any of those things were possible, I would have told you no, because they didn't even think what happened to me was possible. But God. So today we hold on to promises. And I'm just here to tell you that the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And all you got to do is step by step, one by one, know that God will bring it to completion, not quit. Don't quit on yourself and don't quit on God. Today's your day. Today's your day. Your future is now. Don't walk out of here without it. Don't walk out of here without, take a hold of it in Jesus' name. Get aggressive. And the Bible says that when David prayed that prayer, he got courage. And today when you pray that prayer, I want you to have courage to know that you can't do it, but God will do it through you. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you today. And God, I just pray right now, I feel courage in this room. I feel strength. I feel faith in this room. I feel it welling up inside of people. And I ask today, God, that you'll just do something miraculous in people's hearts and lives. Begin to infuse them with faith. Begin to infuse them with your promises. Begin to trust, help them to trust you with everything. If you're here this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor Mike, I need Jesus more than my next breath. I need Jesus more than my next heartbeat. If that's you this morning and you want to take a hold of God's promises, you know you're not going to be perfect, but you're being perfected. If that's you, jump in right now. Raise those hands up high. Break through that ceiling in Jesus' name. Yes, brave hands are going up everywhere. Yes, it's my day. Today's my day. Today's my day. You guys can place your hands down. Everyone within the sound of my voice, we're just going to pray this prayer from your heart to God's. We just simply say, Jesus, I love you. And Jesus, I believe in you. God, I believe in your promises. And your promise says that your son came to forgive me and to make me whole and to build a relationship with me. And I trust you for that promise. Your son came and promised that the Holy Spirit would come and not just be around me but live in me. And I receive the Holy Spirit right now. Your son said one day he's coming back to take me to be with him, and I'm grabbing a hold of that promise right now, and there is nothing in this life that can separate me from your love. So I'm trusting you, believing you, and receiving it in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said? Amen amen. amen. I'll give the Lord your best praise on a Sunday morning. Ooh, he's a good God.